you. Welcome to ESPN 1000. It's Jesse and Brian for the next two hours. Rogers and Hanley. No, it's not a law firm. It's the, <laughs> it's the Saturday morning Here. team this week. Brian, good morning. How are you doing, pal? Sign my baseball. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of sports today, Brian, right? There is a great day. Bowl games, NFL games, third place in the World Cup. NCAA basketball, obviously, a lot going on. The White Sox signed a new outfielder, but that is not going to take any of that. None of that is going to take our attention away from what happened again over on Madison yesterday, last night. Your Chicago Bulls, Brian, I know you're a big fan. Oh, yeah, well, I was back in the day uh, with Sloan (laughs) and Van Leer in the backcourt. I mean, this team is a disaster right now. Oh, we're going to. We're going to get to that. I mean, this is hustled everything. If if Jim Boylan was still coaching this team, the phones would be lit up right now. Instead, Billy Donovan's like, you just this. He's in the passenger seat, going, "What's going on here? I mean, why aren't we ready for games? We got to be better than this." And he just got a contract extension. And the front office was everyone's darling a year ago. And what have you done for me lately? You know, we'll we'll get to them. But, you know, if I'm distracted, it's because I've got one eye on Croatia and Morocco right now. (laughs) I can honestly say I have not watched one minute of of that. You're one of those guys, huh? Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, between which is more corrupt, FIFA or the Olympic body that runs these things? I mean, I, I got no time for any of it. But I'm sure, you know, people will be tuning in tomorrow for the final. Right. So, yeah, for sure. My, my kids, I, it seems to be a young person's thing. This, the, you know, in general, my kids are way into it. They don't get up for, at 9 a.m. for anything. Um, <laughs> they're not up today. They're not up for the third place game, but they will be up at 9 a.m. tomorrow for the for the final. Now. So I like watching with them. They're they're really into it. Um, I'm not saying only young people are into it, but uh, no, they, but they, for, they seem for to 30 be years. It. I've been hearing it's coming to the U S right. and we're all going to be excited. And, and you know, last go around, it is coming like, to the U S in four years. <laughs> well, yeah, I can hardly wait. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, the, to the, to the story of the day, the hour, uh, you've already had a more successful off season than Jed Hoyer because you <laughs> broke the story yesterday. If you do nothing else between now and spring training, you've got more to show, for, for your activity. And, well, and, uh, let me just interrupt you and say that's not saying much then. <laughs> that's oh, that. it, was it. A low, it was a low bar to clear considering what the Cubs have, have done so far. I mean, they can't even field the team yet. Now, the offseason's not over, obviously, but I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah, Andrew Benintendi to the White Sox. It, it surprised all of us, I think. This is a player that had a lot of competition. And, yes, he's not a you know, $200 million player. Jerry would not be in the, in the market if he no, was. No. But he is a very, very good $75 million player. And I think his, his, his value is a little decreased because his power has decreased, but that doesn't mean he's not a very, very helpful player. And I think, Brian, on this particular team, he's even more important because of him being left-handed, because he's a better outfielder by oh, far yeah. than Eloy Jimenez. So there's so many good things about him that helps this team even more than a lot of other teams. Yes, you'd like to see him more power, and he has shown that before. Maybe he'll get back to it. Hey, he's only 28, and I'll take you back six years. The White Sox, when they traded Chris Sale, the first guy they asked for was Andrew Benatendi. And the, the Red Sox said, try again. And they finally got to Yohan Mankata and Michael Kopech. And we could you know, debate who got the better of that trade six years after the fact. Um, is Mankata is on the everyone's watch list. Can he come back and... and 
put together numbers that he showed a few years ago to get that contract he's not living up to. And Kopech, you know, is he going to be healthy? Is he ever going to be a, a stalwart in the rotation? But the fact of the matter is, as a 22-year-old, the White Sox were all over Ben Attendee, and now he's two two teams removed, Kansas City and, and the Yankees. Beginning last season, and, and you put up, you know, the numbers he had at the end of the season looked pretty good. I, I remember looking at that, I want to say like in June, before the trade deadline, and he was striking out a lot more than he used to, and he was also hitting more ground balls than he used to. But by the end of the season, the numbers looked pretty good, right? You talk about Benintendi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, he had a better first half than second half, you know, pre trade, post trade. Um, and that happens a lot. You get trade. I mean, you're going from Kansas City, right, yeah. last place to New York, and not everything is going to go as smooth at times. He was hitting 320 when he got traded with a, you know, a 785 OPS. Now, his OPS is, is going to be a little deflated because he doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but there was a lot to like about his game last year. Um, a, a career 350 on base. Let's just use that. We could we could break down numbers. That, that, that's that's very good. A career 350 on base is very good. Now let's let's see if he can improve some of the the, the power numbers, the doubles and the home runs. But um, you know, after the trade, wasn't as uh, successful. But he had a, did have a higher slugging. Maybe you know the the the, uh, the Yankee Stadium had a little bit uh, right. uh, to do with that. But this is a this is a this is a very good hitter. It's just a very good hitter, and he he could he could use a little bit of a power surge, but it it it's the fact that he's left-handed and the fact that he's a better fielder than Eloy. It's a it's a double whammy in a positive way for the White Sox. I, I we I was on the air yesterday, and we were all you know taking our shots at Jerry, and you know won't do this, won't do this, and yeah, he's not signing. Trey Turner, he's not signing 13 years. He's old school in that respect. He knows the last five years of a 10-year deal are going to be bad. He's not willing to do that. But five years for a guy in his prime at $75 million, the richest contract in White Sox history, we have to say is a positive. At least I'm going to say it's a positive. Yeah, because I didn't see it coming. I, I mean, I took Rick Hahn, especially after no action at the winter meetings. Um, he said if they do anything substantial, it most likely be through trade. And then you broke the story yesterday. And I was surprised. And, and yeah, it's not one of the four shortstops. It's not a $300 million player, which even small market teams have seem to have one. Tom Ricketts, you want to wake up yeah. out of your coma and, and you know, join the party. Um, but it's the upper, you know, the, the, you just said it, the highest annual uh, uh, val- value on average the White Sox have ever signed. So it's the upper reaches of what they're willing to do. Now we can... White Sox fans can lament the fact that they won't go, you know, break the hundred million dollar mark. They won't go the extended double digit contracts, which is now the the rule rather than the exception when you get to superstars. But it's what what they're willing to do at the uh, uppermost reaches, and they did it. You know, does it cure everything? Absolutely not. And you're right; they still need more power. I don't know where that comes from, and, and it's not necessarily just getting healthy. But Cup fans on the north side, you know, Crane Kenny's out there telling people, hey, I gave Jed that wheelbarrow full of money. He just needs to spend it. And now he's down to one guy you could possibly spend it on. And unfortunately, the the Dodgers are now in the mix. And, I mean, you know, there's half a dozen teams um, sniffing around Dansby Swanson. And even if the Cubs were to land him, it would go a long way to making them better, but it doesn't make them a World Series team by any stretch of the imagination. But if they do nothing, boy, oh boy, Cub fans should really be irate because 
they were going to spend intelligently. And again, if you're spending 2000, you should spend $2,000 intelligently. If you're spending 300 million, you better do that as well. But if they come away this off season with, you know, Cody Bellinger and, and a pitcher that, you know, helps them a little bit, shame on everybody. No doubt. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. If you want to jump on, you can sound off on anything baseball related here early because we're going to talk to Chuck Garfine, who actually did Bulls pre and post last night, Brian. I don't know if you saw that. By the way, we, we already have two goals in this game. I hope you have the over. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cro- I mean, we're like five minutes in. Croatia and Morocco, it's 1-1. Amazing. Oh, my um, good Lord. We, uh, Chuck did pre and post on the Bulls last night. Of course, he does pre and post on the White Sox. We're going to talk to him in about five, ten minutes about Benintendi, but we could bring up the White Sox, uh, the, the Bulls as well. But if you want to sound off on any of this, 3 1 2 3 3 2 3 7 there's seven, defense seven, in that soccer match? Yeah, really. I, I am firmly, and, and look, I've had a 10 year relationship with Jed Hoyer. I think he's a fine executive. He did well with Theo, but I am. I don't think he'd be upset if he heard me say this, that if it doesn't work out, this isn't on Tom Ricketts. This isn't on Tom Ricketts and ownership. I don't think so. This is on Jed Hoyer and the decisions he wants to make. Um, he made some damn good ones in saying goodbye, apparently, to those other, you know, those those stars from the past. Sure. Uh, we'd be hammering him if Bias came out and won the MVP last year. You know, we'd be hammering him. So we got to give him some kudos there. He made some evaluations that wasn't worth the bang for their buck and all that, and they moved on from those guys. So who knows? Maybe not signing any of these shortstops is the right call, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. It certainly doesn't feel like it. My point being, if you're happy or mad with the Cubs, you're happy or mad with Jed Hoyer, not Tom Ricketts, in my opinion. Um, I know it, 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 Ricketts isn't Steve Cohn. I get it. He's not John Middleton in Philadelphia. I get it. But this is these are Jed Hoyer decisions, in my opinion. And the it, fact that we've heard from ownership in a public matter, and Crane Kenny, who's you know part of ownership, you know, what I mean, a, 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 an extension of ownership, I think is 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 telling. They are saying Jed. Do what you want with the money. The difference, I'm sorry to keep going, Brian, the difference between Steve Cohn and Tom Ricketts is Steve Cohn will insert himself in baseball decisions. Jed, uh, uh, Tom Ricketts won't. So this, that's why it's even more on Jed Hoyer, in my opinion. Well, and I thought this was really, you know, I, I think Sully wrote it. This needed to be a sign where he put his signature, his his stamp on being the, the top guy on the north side and do something substantial. And to this point, he has done nothing substantial. And, you know, Crane Kenny rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but not Tom Ricketts. I mean, how many years ago did Tom Ricketts ask to Cubs Fest or, uh, you know, who the MVP of the team was? And he said, well, to be honest with you, I don't think Crane Kenny gets near enough um, gratitude and, and recognition. And, like, why why would fans, you know, be worried about the business guy? Um, but in Tom Ricketts' mind, he's the MVP because he bought up all the rooftops and, you know, they own everything within four blocks of Wrigley Field and, here comes a, a sports book. And so the revenue streams keep going and keep growing. But meanwhile, you're in a teardown. And I'm with you as far as letting, you know, Chris Bryant go and Javier Baez. And when when he said, when Jed Hoyer said, I can go to sleep at night and sleep well knowing that I gave them market value offers, I, I was with him because we know what Rizzo turned down reportedly. And he finally got that, you know, two contracts away. But, I mean, he took less money to, to go to the Yankees. And so, I, I you know, he, he got it half right. But getting rid of guys who can't stay healthy and Chris Bryant and, and whatever, breaking the, the old gang up is one thing. But when you see San Diego 
which is a much smaller market acting like, you know, the Yankees of the West Coast. And by the way, the Dodgers are the Yankees of the West Coast. Yeah, somewhere right. somewhere the Cubs have to fit in that spectrum and, and not act like, you know, they're the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes, and I think it's Andrew Friedman, I might botch the saying, if you, if you think you might finish third uh, with a free agent, you will finish third. Like, you know, you sometimes have to take that big, big swing. You have to take that big swing, and you might miss sometimes. And this is what the the Phillies, the Yankees, the, the Padres are doing right now. And, you know, it'd be one thing if the Cubs had a bunch of stars on the horizon. It just doesn't feel like nope. it. So they need to need to fill the holes in, in, in through, in, through free agency more than likely rather than probably a trade. And, it, it look, Jed might be informed by what's happened in the past. He didn't offer over-market deals to these guys. They moved on, and they haven't. You know, already buys his contract looks bad to the Tigers, right? Yeah. So he, okay, why? If I didn't do it there, why should I do it with this next guy? Well, maybe because you're in a different situation, and there's a lot of team super teams out there. And if you want to jump up into those into that group, you're going to have to do something um, aggressive, something outside your comfort zone. I think that there, there's a lot there behind the scenes about whether Jed and. You know, I think Hein Bloom is in the situation with Boston. Will they oh, go absolutely. outside their Yeah, will they go outside their comfort zones to to sign these guys to deals that don't yeah, look I mean, great? Yeah, I mean, what they're doing in Boston is the Cubs, you know, the Cubs like to follow the Boston Red Sox blueprint when it comes to Wrigley Field and rehabbing and doing everything. Here's a jumbotron and here's you know, do they have to follow the front? I mean, the front two front offices are most disappointing, arguably, are the Red Sox and Cubs right now. What what the hell are they doing this offseason? Let me tell you something. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating time in certain places, and I, this the, the Cubs might be one of them, where these GMs who are very smart, highly educated, can crunch the numbers and the analytics with the best of them, don't want to go past their evaluations. I said this to Waddle and Sylvie the other day, where the owners are willing to. This is why James Click doesn't have a job at Houston anymore because his owner is a wheeler and dealer, and Click was a guy that wanted, you know, was only going to give what he wanted to give. And the owner hmm. wants, it's usually the other way around. The GM wants to spend crazy, and the owner says no, right? That's, that's historically yeah. what it's always been. But in some of these markets, I feel like, and, 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 and Jed might be part of it, and it's fitting the, the narrative, the public narrative, because ownership has said we have money, we have money, we have money, and Jed's not spending it. I, the Red Sox have traditionally spent money. I think ownership is willing to spend money, and the GM doesn't want to spend it. And this is why, again, the GM in Houston, if people want to know, doesn't have a job anymore. It's because of that dynamic, the guy that won the World Series. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there. We, we've jumped around. We'll do it with you throughout the next couple hours. Three months. It's just two, crazy three, three, that two. they're pulling punches when they have yeah. all the resources and assets available right now. Right. Yeah. But Jed could look back to what he just did with Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant and these guys and say, look, I know what I'm doing. I know how to evaluate. Um, the problem, I, and this is, you know, you've, if you've heard me say this once, I've said it a million times. We are at a moment in time where we have one, 12 really good playoff teams last year. And they're not going anywhere, those 12 teams. And two, among those 12, there's a bunch of super teams. So how the heck are the Cubs going to jump into that group, either the 12 playoff teams or the super teams, without something aggressive and dramatic and a big swing? Otherwise, it's five years of waiting for PCA and Canario and Mervis to mature into all-stars if they are, even do. And, and what I call the, the Darvish teenagers, right? The guys they try to trade oh, Darvish yeah. 
So that there's only that it's you're either waiting four or five years or you are spending and getting aggressive and going outside your comfort zone. Do you agree? Do you agree or disagree with any of that? I agree with all of it. And, and the question on the South side is, uh, you know, being, being and then Tendi is, is a great start, but just health and him, is that enough to get you back into opening a quote unquote window to win a world series? You know, certainly you should be able to compete in the division with the youngest team in, in major league baseball and the Indians, oh, not the Indians, um, yeah. but, but go ahead. I mean, the white, Sox, at least the white Sox did something, but was it enough? And Sox fans certainly will have an opinion on that. I, I, I love the signing for, for them. It, it, it was so needed for them. I, I feel like they're back in the mix now in the division. If they had ran it, ran it all back, they'd be in trouble because Cleveland's yeah. young, Minnesota's still there. But at least they're back in the mix. But you're right. It doesn't put them over the top in any, in any matter. All right, 312-332-3776 is the number if you want to sound off on any of this stuff. We're going to talk to Chuck Garfine about the White Sox and maybe a little bit about the Bulls since he did the pre and post last night. We'll do that when we come back. It's Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley to 11 on ESPN 1000. Hanley and Rogers here till 11 on ESPN 1000. Hope you're having a good Saturday morning. Brian, let's uh, bring in one of the best in the business because he can do multiple sports, as we saw last night. Um, good news, bad news day for Chuck Garfine. Uh, he gets the news that uh, Andrew Benatendi joins the White Sox, and then he has to do the Bulls. And uh, it wasn't very pretty last night. Chuck, what's going on, pal? Well, I'm batting 500. I'm, I'm <laughs> one for two. I got, we got Benatendi, and it was an ugly loss for the Bulls. So uh, that's okay. I'll take a 500 batting average. Well, you're part of one. You're you're part of one of the best pre and post game shows going when you when you could sit next to Ozzie Gein and let him uh, go off, uh, good or bad, on on the White Sox. What do you think he would say about Andrew Benatendi? What do you have to say about Andrew Benatendi? Well, these are my thoughts on it. Of all the free agents that were out there, I mean, yeah, Aaron Judge that would have been a great fit for the White Sox, but I'm just being realistic. Yeah, uh, the best fit for what the White Sox needed. To me, number one was Benatendi just because he's a left fielder. He's a left-handed hitter. He puts the ball in play. He's been a target for the White Sox going back to when they wanted to draft him out of college, and he was taken by the Red Sox one pick before the White Sox were there to pick. The Red Sox got Benatendi. The White Sox got Carson Fulmer. And I think they even were trying to get him in the Chris Sale trade. Yep. Then you throw in the fact that he, you know, played under Pedro Grafal, who was the bench coach uh, with the Royals uh, before he was uh, traded to the Yankees. So there's history there. So uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the White Sox spent this kind of money just going off of what Rick Hahn was saying. I'm also surprised if you would have told me a year ago that Andrew Benatendi was going to get five years, $75 million, I would have been shocked. But that's what the market dictated. That's what the White Sox did. It's not my money. I'm glad the White Sox spent it, and I think he's a great fit for this team. So when you add a guy like that, who's only 28, by the way, Chuck, um, we know all the issues, and they went beyond beyond injuries last year. The, the, the you know Pedro Grafal's talked about accountability and how he could sit in the other dugout and look over in the White Sox dugout and know what kind of game it was going to be if the guys were on their toes and ready to go. The White Sox were going to be a problem, but there were games when he could look over and, and Sox fans lived through it. 
where the effort wasn't there nearly enough. Um, but adding him, getting healthy, looking at the division, um, you know, where do you slate this team in terms of not only trying to win a division, but actually contending for something beyond that? Yeah, I mean, it's a step-by-step process in the offseason. And I think the best part, the only good part about last season was that all of their warts were exposed. Everything that was could possibly go wrong with the team went wrong. And just, you know, it was, it was a great reflection on what happens when everything goes wrong with your team and how does your team respond to it and what can they do to fix this as soon as possible. Well, the first thing they, they did was obviously hire Pedro Grafol, and then this coaching staff comes in. That was the big one. And I think they're, they're going to help. I mean, the coaching staff can only do so much, but I think this team uh, can really use this upgrade that I think is going to be happening. And then it's one by one by one, all these moves they're making. Now they've only made two of them, two big ones, you'd say, Mike Clevenger. That's good for the back end of the rotation. I mean, you tell me that Mike, you know, if you were told me two years ago that Mike Clevenger would be a four or five starter for your team mm. on the White Sox, I'd like, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Even though he's coming off his second Tommy John surgery, they're not asking him to lead the staff, but good four or five pitcher, starter, I should say. And now you got Ben Attendee. So they got to find a second baseman. And one thing I was thinking about is, you know, the, the great fit with Ben Attendee and the White Sox. So they're looking for a second baseman. And if the Blue Jays are willing to trade with Merrifield, there's a guy who is a great fit for this team for a number of reasons. He can play second base, obviously. Rick Hahn has mentioned that Oscar Colas should be, you know, penciled in possibly to be the opening day right fielder, but you can't guarantee that he'll be ready. And just in case he's not, if, and I say if they acquire Whit Merrifield, Merrifield could start the season in right field, and they have second baseman in their system, Romy Gonzalez, Lenin Sosa, that could play second until, you know, Colas is ready. Just an idea that I had. So they're going to have to address second base in some way. Uh, will it be Whit Merrifield? I don't know, but in terms of fit, he makes a lot of sense to me. And there's still, you know, a couple months left in the offseason, but this was a big one getting Ben Attendi for sure. No doubt. I want to go back to him visiting with Chuck Garfine uh, from NBC Sports Chicago. You said you were a little surprised he got the 5-75. and 75. I, I'm, I'm really not. Is it just because the, the home run total? I mean, he's, he's only a year removed from hitting 17. So for whatever reason, he had five last year. Um, but he was traded, so that can be wonky. I mean, he's a gold glove winner in 21. He was an all-star last year. I mean, this is a guy that deserved 15 a year. Now, granted, I think the Sox went to five years. Maybe other teams were looking at four. But I wasn't shocked by the contract. I was maybe a little surprised the White Sox did it. But he just kind of like, oh, he only had five home runs. You weren't thinking uh, he was going to get some big, big deal. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to put things in the proper perspective of of that. Now, granted, yeah, there's a lot of money that's been shelled out. But if you would have told, I mean, a guy who hits five home runs, I know it's not all about home runs, okay? And and he was he was and this is I think by design for him. I think he was trying to put the ball in play mm-hmm. and spray the ball all over the place. He was playing at Coffin Stadium, not a great home run hitting park. But okay, a guy who gets five home runs, fifty one RBIs. I think he had. You know, he did bat 304, yeah. um, you know, and 2020, he barely played. I think it was an injury there. Five years, $75 million, and the highest 
Uh, biggest contract in the history of the franchise. That's just kind of startling to me that it's Andrew Benatendi in that regard from the season that he had. I mean, this is not someone who, you know, hit 30 bombs. This is not someone who did sure. lead the major leagues in hitting. He had a great OBP, and I love seeing that. I think it was 373. But I'm just saying, five for 75, that's, that's a, a monster contract. Um, and did they overpay? I don't, I don't even know if they overpaid just because of what everyone else is getting. Right. But right. Here's, what I, here's what I like about what the White Sox did. And I don't know what the other teams were offering for him, but I think the White Sox saw exactly what they need and who they needed the most was him. And they said, we are not going to lose out. And that's what the White Sox have done in the past. Like when they, I mean, not with everybody, but like when they really wanted Jose Abreu, they made sure they had the best bid. When they really wanted Luis Robert, they made sure they had the best bid. And I feel like that is what happened with Ben Attendee. They're like, we, we need this guy so badly. He's going to balance our lineup. He's going to probably bat second behind T.A. They figured out left field. They got him cemented in there. They're like, you know what, let's just go get him, and let's not, let's not lose. You know, it's still crazy to think they didn't have one player hit 20 home runs last year. And contact-oriented approach is one thing, but in this day and age in MLB, you, if you don't hit the ball out of the ballpark, and by the way, visiting teams don't seem to have that issue down on the south side, you know, I don't know what your aspirations can possibly be if you don't hit the long ball. So we'll see if it's just, you know, Mankata getting healthy and getting back to uh, – they still need something there. I don't know how they go about that, uh, Chuck, how they get the ball going out of the ballpark because that, that was uh, woeful last season. Yeah, well, uh, first off for Ben Attendee, I mean, he has hit 17 homers. I think he hit 20. I think the home runs will return, especially at that ballpark. Um there's a lot to the lack of power with the White Sox last year. There's all sorts of theories. Um, I think that power is going to come back. And I think Rondal and Moncada, those are two big ones for me that I think they're going to have comeback seasons. Uh, Having the shift go away, like all the left-handed hitters, it's going to benefit them. And that includes Ben Attendee and Moncada and Rondal are switch hitters. Um, I just feel like we're coming, we're coming out of a worst-case scenario season with the White Sox. And, I mean, if this was to happen again, I, I, would, I, I don't even know baseball to, at, at, mm. at that point. <laughs> I just – I really don't. I mean, I'm not saying everybody's going to have comeback seasons, but, I mean, everyone got hurt. Everyone struggled offensively. The power went away. It was just – it was a mess times 100 offensively. And – you know, I'd like to think that last season was an outlier. And if I'm any of those players, any of those hitters, I'm doing everything in my power this offseason to make sure, A, I stay healthy or as, as healthy as I possibly can, and B, I'm going to have a much better season production-wise offensively. And if, if you don't learn anything from last season, if you're a White Sox hitter, uh, I, I don't know what to say to you. So I, and I think everyone on that team wants to improve and get that terrible taste out of their mouths. I know White Sox fans don't want to see that again. Well said. Before we let you go, Chuck, we'll give you 30 seconds on what was the worst thing you saw last night in doing pre and post uh, for the Bulls game. And I don't mean um, what you had for dinner. I mean what you saw on the court. What was, what was the worst thing about that game? Where to begin? Well, you know what they need? You know what this team needs? 
this team needs Lonzo Ball, and it's probably not going to happen. Lonzo Ball on that team, they're winning that game, or at least competitive in that game. They're definitely winning the Wednesday night game against the Knicks. They just don't have a point guard. Kendall Gill was saying on the show, they don't have a point guard who can distribute the ball and really like be the quarterback on that team. That's what they need. And when I was watching the Knicks play and Tom Thibodeau coaching, that team reminds me, the way they're playing, of when they had D. Rose, Taj Gibson, Joe Kim Noah, when they were young and they were hungry, hungry, and they were killers. The Bulls don't yeah. have that right now. So yeah, that, Jaylen, are, that, that's how I feel. Oh, yeah, Jim Brunson's amazing. Yeah, he, he's, he, when you said hunger, that's the guy that jumped, jumped into my mind. Chuck, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Good insight on the White Sox, a little bit there on the Bulls as well. Be well. Hey, next time you do the postgame, get Ozzy on the couch to talk the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah a good seriously. One. And hey, uh, congrats to Jesse for breaking the Benatendi yeah. story. So well done. <laughs> Yeah, I was in, he, I, I was as surprised as anybody when I when I got, got that phone call. To be honest, I said he's yeah. had a better off season than Jed Hoyer already. If he does nothing else, he has a more productive off season. Great hot stove season for Jesse Rogers. Well done. <laughs> Take care, Thanks, Chuck. Chuck. All right, see, see you later. Oh, I like that idea, Brian. Get uh, Ozzy on the couch to go off on the Bulls, right? Yeah, just um, a, you have to you know put him on, lay him out on the couch, and it's group therapy for everyone. As long as he brought up, uh, you know, what's going on with the Bulls, and, and you brought it up, and he brought up Lonzo Ball, Chuck did. And, and look, no one's going to argue how much Lonzo Ball means to this team, but I was talking to an NBA executive uh, in the last week mm-hmm. who uh, watches the Bulls and watches them closely, and he's, two things he said to me struck me. He said, one, I know Lonzo Ball is important to this team, but is he that important? Given what they're eleven seventeen and they have no, they have no heart right now. They have their, you know, the only thing consistent is they don't show up most first quarters. And then he said, "When your three best players are your three worst defensive players, where are you going?" And you can't argue that. And we can go over. I'm being the old hockey guy. I'll go over the plus minuses from last night alone with the quote unquote three best players and. We can, you know, the front office, a year ago as we sat here in December, they were the darlings of the NBA. They were a likable team. It was must-watch TV. And a year later, after the front office doubled down on continuity, gave Billy Donovan a, a, a contract extension that they didn't want to publicize, and basically expected Lonzo Ball to be ready for the start of the season. And Chuck's right when he said he might not even be here in any point of the season. You have some serious questions to ask about what the hell were they thinking and what, you know, miscalculating Lonzo Ball's availability. I think Lonzo Ball's only played in 65% of his available games since he's been in the league. But there are a lot of questions here, and we can revisit the the Vuk trade, and and was that worth it now that he's going in? He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So what do you do now that they they aspire to be and – publicly said they should be a second-round playoff team, they're 11-17 and might not even be in a play-in game. Let's take a break and, and, and sort of restart this thing on the Bulls. And if people want to talk about the Sox and Cubs as we, as we <clears throat> did the first half hour, we can do that as well. Because I've got a bunch of things playing off of what you just said and what the NBA executive said to you as well. Let, let's discuss it on the other side of this break. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on. Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley here at 11 we're going to swing the Bulls conversation, but keep talking about the White Sox and Cubs. Sox fans, you're usually complaining 
And and us on the radio, we're usually complaining. Are you are you happy today? Are you happy with Andrew Benintendi? Let's let's see if there's some positive vibes with the White Sox after that signing. But um, I don't know if we can find anything positive about the Bulls. We'll discuss it next on ESPN 1000. Morning, Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley to 11, which means I have time afterwards, Brian, to head over to Deerfield, not far from where I, I live, to Scoops and Cookies. You know what I'm going to do there? Scoops and Cookies in Deerfield. Well, I'm you're going, going to get some sweets and a book sign. Exactly. I'm going to go see Randy Merkin, his great book, Behind the Glass Stories from a Sports Radio Producer. He's going to be signing books at Scoops and Cookies at noon today, noon to 2 p.m. So I'm going to go see Randy and uh, hopefully get a free book because you know how hey, cheap you know, I am. Well, come on. Yeah, you know, do a solid <laughs> for the guy. All right. You know, maybe, I, maybe I will. Yeah. I mean, I, I got my first communion money out of my wallet and gave it to him for the book. Um, but it's hey, a great I'm fa- read. I'm, I'm famous for splitting a soup with my ex-girlfriend back in the day. So <laughs> Maybe that's why she's a nice. True ex- story. True story. Um, yeah, it's a great read. And anyone, any fan of sports talk radio, I mean, it's a great Christmas book, stocking stuffer. Um, and, and, and it's, I mean, it's terrific. And anyone who's been in this business or has been listening to us, yep, since it all started in the city in earnest with Chet Kopic before we actually started up stations in 1992, um, it's terrific. So I would, uh, at, you know, whether you get out there and get some ice cream and cookies along with it, make sure you find a Merck's <laughs> book behind the glass stories Absol- from behind the glass. Yeah, absolutely. Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six is the number. If you want to join us, sound off on the bulls, the white Sox, the Cubs, it doesn't have to be all bad. White Sox made a nice signing yesterday. At least we think it is. Maybe you don't. Give us a ring on that. we got a couple callers on hold we'll get to. So before the break, you mentioned you talked to an NBA executive, and they told you a couple things. One, it can't be all on Lonzo Ball and his injury. Two, it's a little troublesome when your three best players are your three worst defenders. I agree with the second point, very much so, very much so. The first point, though, I mean, this is a team that was tw- is or was 22-13 and 13 when Lonzo Ball was in the lineup. We can do the math on what he what what they are when he's not in the lineup. It's pretty bad. Second half. Well, they last ended season. up they end up in sixth place and they won won one playoff game before they bowed out. Um, you know they, so, they they limped into the playoffs and limped right out. But but you can agree you can't just gloss over losing a player like Lonzo Ball. No, now, but have, I mean, look, he ain't Steph Curry in his prime. I mean, I, I'm I'm with the the exact on both counts. Lonzo Ball is a hell of a player and and he was a revelation. Because we saw when they when they you know did uh, point guard by committee before they got Lonzo Ball, but the front office should have known back in the summer when when they were being asked about his availability, is he going to be ready for training camp? Well, we hope so. Uh, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Well, we think so. And here we are in December, and I would bet he's not available at all. And he's not even running. He's not. He's doing let alone doing basketball. He's doing nothing. And. By the way, the guy he gave Max money to had two two operations on his knees, uh, his knee that's already been an issue. Not a it's, fan. It's not a fan of Zach Levine. I mean, no. he is who he is, and he's a yeah. very good player. Was that the players' poll that came out this week? Yeah, voted by his peers. A year ago, he was 
I want to say 27th, 28th. That's the NBA players, you know, voting for who's the most important, you know, star power, how they see their peers. And your supposed foundation piece was in the upper 20s, mid-20s. He's 40th this time around, 40th. And now maybe that has a lot to do with his health issues. Maybe you could, you know, you could, as of the 15th of December, you could put him on the trade market. You know, you can now trade him. Yeah. I, I think they'd be afraid to do so because I think the front office would be afraid to see what kind of offers they would get for a guy they just gave max money to. Right. That's a good point. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's get a caller in here. Get get the fans' opinion on this stuff. Al on the South Side, you're on ESPN one thousand. What's up, Al? Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. I just wanted to know what you thought about a possible trade between the Lakers and the Bulls, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball for Westbrook. <laughs> well, well <laughs> Brian, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> Lonzo I'm Ball's not available. I mean, yeah. Lonzo Ball's not even on the horizon. So I, I, you know, I don't know who's trading for him when he's not available and hasn't been available and, and spent spotty throughout his career. The whole idea of Demar Derozan, I think you have to start entertaining every trade offer right now, because you, you right now it looks like you're not even going to be a playoff team, let alone get to the second round. Um, the the Lakers thing is is baffling to me because a week or so ago reports out of L.A. was that the the Lakers had looked at the Bulls roster and obviously they look at DeVo, uh, DeRozan and Vooch and say we could use those guys and we would be willing to give up trade picks in twenty twenty six twenty twenty seven I Jess I thought I'd heard it all your trade <laughs> draft picks five years from now. Oh, are you scouting high school kids? I mean, how how the hell do you even know what that looks like? And the Bulls claim, or, or the reports are, that the Bulls have no idea that the Lakers were thinking trading with them, and they haven't been contacted. So you have one team playing fantasy basketball, <laughs> and the other team just just doubled down on continuity, and they're sitting here with not only a losing record, but uh, and, and, you know, no effort for half of the games or half the games they play. Like every game, they, they give you about 24 minutes of 48. And DeMar DeRozan can't be Superman like he was for about 20 games oh, last year. Oh, boy, he was invisible last night. I, I think he led the Bulls in shots. I, I was I, I was shocked to see that because I thought he was invisible last night. Well, and last, um, last year he was invincible. I mean, he was going right. to 35 <laughs> to 40 for like yeah, 11 oh, yeah. straight games. And he would put the Superman cape on and close games out. So here are your three best players, your three worst defensive players, according to the NBA exec. DeMar DeRozan last night, minus 23. Vooch, minus 23. Zach Levine, who actually had a a good shooting night percentage-wise, 7 of 12, 3 of 5 from 3, end up with only 17, though, minus 31. And, And the Knicks... Couldn't hit a three to save their life, and they missed four or five free throws. It could have been even worse. Well, Rick, they got. Like, it was terrible. Yeah. They got out rebounded. They got oh. out, out shot. They got out fought. Whatever it was, whatever category you want to choose. Yep. I mean, I think it was offensive rebounds. I think were fifteen to two. I'm looking at it right now, fifteen yeah. to two, fifteen to two. We could dissect execution, effort, offense, defense. Um, my problem going back to Lonzo Ball. And that whole situation is, okay, second half of last year, he goes down. It's hard to adjust mid-year without an all-star caliber player, point guard going down. But you knew he was out to start this year. You knew going into training camp 
and the offense looks just as bad as it did last year, out of sync without him. You had a whole training camp to start to figure this out, and you did nothing. You did nothing. And you look bad, you you, and you look bad, you didn't make up for it defensively either. Either it, 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 you should have known. I mean, if, if you truly were counting on him being available, then shame. I mean, you, you should have that information, right? I mean, yeah. you and your medical people should be able to prog- give a prognosis of a realistic to, to the organization of what that looks like and what he was actually doing in the offseason, what he was capable of doing in the offseason. And, you know, I don't know, when they were out in Las Vegas for summer league, they were asking, were there any setbacks? And the Bulls were being very coy. But they didn't give any indication that they didn't think he was going to be available to start the season. And now the conversation is, is he going to be available at all during the season? And when he is, if he is, will it be too late? And by the way, you can throw Patrick Williams and make or break year for that young man. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a spurt there for a week or two where he looked like he was actually starting to, to figure it out. He was minus 30 last night. You know, talk about no rebounds. What do you have? One. He had one. I, I mean, who? Terrible. Help. Terrible. 312-332-3776 is the number. Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley to 11 White Sox, Cubs, Bulls conversation this hour. If you want to jump on, now's the time to do it. We'll play some audio from last night's game, post game. We got Twitter um, polls too. So one fourteen ninety one, the Knicks beat the Bulls. We'll, we'll reset with the Twitter polls when we come back in a moment. This is ESPN 1000. Excuse my language. We look like shit. Yeah. We came out terrible. Um, we didn't have sense of urgency. We didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't do nothing. Only way to respond is to compete. Um, next game, even before the game, next practice, film, whatever it is before we play, uh, we, we all gotta look our, ourselves in the mirror and you know, you know, see what we doing wrong, what we could do better. You know, we gotta compete. That was DeMar DeMarozan after last night's loss. 114-91 to the Knicks. The Bulls now 11-17 and on the season. 7-7 seven and seven at home. Jesse Rogers. Brian Hanley with you on this Saturday morning just before 10 a.m. here. We're here till 11 on ESPN 1000. And I don't know, Brian, uh, you know, it was what? They were leading after the first quarter, 32-29, I think the yeah, score was. There's you know. an upset right there. Yeah, right, usually- yeah, right. Yeah, and and so they were playing okay. They were kind of matching them. Look, they're they're behind the eight ball in a lot of, against a lot of teams because they don't shoot a lot of threes and make them. It was a little bit of exchanging twos for threes yesterday. I thought early, and then and then the the Knicks started to miss them. But of course, the Knicks took a lot more because they had a lot of offensive rebounds and things like that. So, to me, the game was lost towards the end of the first half and then into and the it, third it, quarter. They lost the lead in the the end of the uh, second quarter, and then the third yeah. quarter they were no shows after you know half halftime adjustments in air quotes. Um, but th- that's what this the, you know the, the only consistent thing about this Bulls team is you don't normally the first quarter is when they don't show up, and then they have to claw their way back, and they can yeah. make games close, and they end up losing them in overtime or in in, in a less possession or two uh, situation. Last night they they you know changed the script, not the outcome. And, you know, it's great to Marge Rosen, and I'm not going to criticize him. Mean, he can have off nights, and he's had a few of them. Yeah. Um, but he he can't – I'm not going to get on him. But it's great to be self-aware, and they did play like bleep, earmuffs. But, you know, the fact of the matter is they all seemingly know the issues, and we got to be better at starts of games, and we got to do this. And, 
you know, Billy Donovan actually tried to shake up the starting lineup a week or so ago, and that was short-lived. I mean, I asked this question a few weeks ago on the air before it even got as bleak as it's been. What are they good at? And you mentioned they, they take the fewest threes in the NBA because they really can't make them, and they don't defend. And, you know, I, what, is, what is their calling card right now? I, I don't know what that what when teams are drawing up a game plan, what is it that they worry about when they see the Chicago Bulls and when they're planning, you know, in film and everything else? Because there's nothing that they are among the even above average at right now. Yeah. Unless I'm yeah. missing something. Sometimes we use the word identity as a cliche word, but sometimes it, it, there's a you know, there's a reason it exists in sports. What is what is their identity? I think that's a very good point by you. Let's go to Ryan in Lyle. He's been holding for a while. I want to get to him before the top of the hour. Go ahead, Ryan. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Just a, as for the Bulls, uh, I think they should just tear it down and start a rebuild because even at full possible, they won't be able to compete teams. So get busy trying to, you know, get better by – Stay kind of at this level or treading water. I don't see any point in that. And for the second point, I'm fuming. He gets Swanson or not, they're already coming across as incompetent and bad luck for a Chicago team, a big market team. I'll hang up and I'll listen to what you guys have to say. Thank you. Thank, yeah, thanks, thanks Ryan. Ryan. I, I, he broke up a little bit, but we got the gist of it. He's not happy with what, what's happening on the north side. And, yeah, I think more and more people are kind of, like, leaning towards blow this Bulls thing up because he's right. Even with Lonzo, what are you, a six seed, a five seed at best with very little shot to go really far? You're not better than Milwaukee and some of these. Boston, come, come on, give me a break, right? I mean, so the, the, it, east, the East was very tough last year, and it's only getting tougher. Yeah. And, I mean, really, how close are you to, to winning a championship, let alone a play? I mean, start with a playoff round. You've won, you've won one playoff game with Zach Levine on this team. Now, it's not all on him, but either you need to really put some pieces around him and, and you came back with the same group and thought you were going to be better. And, again, was it the miscalculation on, on whether uh, Lonzo Ball was going to be available or not? That. This team, you know, Billy Donovan said last night, he thinks that the, the locker room is good, the character is good. Well, okay, that's nice. We heard that throughout the White Sox season until the final few weeks that when guys start saying, yeah, no, really, the clubhouse ha- hasn't been that good. Um, but intangibles are just that. Do you have the talent, right? Um, you know, we'll talk, and Charles Barkley brought up the idea of you know, blowing this thing up and starting to rebuild. We have two text questions today. One's Bulls specific. Uh, what grade would you give the front office slash coach of the Chicago Bulls right now? A, B, C, or D slash F. These were, were allowed for options on Twitter. And you can find that at ESPN 1000 or at Jesse's uh, Twitter account or mine at Brian Hanley 534. And the other one is just so Chicago. In which team are you most disappointed currently? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're all there for you. I mean, the bear, it, right. it's, it's, it's just, we, we, we've at, you know, there's different versions of who's, who's more most likely to win the championship next. Right. It's all these, right. but instead we, that's like a positive sounding question. You know, we can't even go there. Like it, no, it's right. got it. It's, it's almost like negative sounding. Who are you most frustrated with? Um, and the Blackhawks aren't an option because they, they're on record as saying this is going to take forever to rebuild. And who knows if Taves and Kane are going to be around the, 
you know, the hockey show will handle that in a couple hours. But, uh, you know, is it the Bears? Is it the Cubs? Is it the Bulls? Is it the White Sox? And that's after, you know, signing uh, Bentendi yesterday. Um, but, you know, Jed doesn't want to call it a rebuild. Call it whatever you will. Right now, you call it not much. And I didn't know the Bulls were going to be in conversation about rebuilding, but apparently that's where we are. Oh, the Cubs are going through a rebuild. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. And the apparently the Bulls might have to, uh, yeah. uh, might need to. I don't know. All right. We'll give you a lot of chances to sound off next hour. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on. Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley to 11 right here on ESPN 1000.